Ask the Podcast Coach for February 16th, 2019. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It's that fun-filled music. That means it's Saturday morning. It's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the schoolofpodcasting.com. And joining me from Cleveland, Ohio, from the balmy shores of Lake Erie, uh, been in podcasting since uh, 2005, does many, many shows. You might know him from the Paranormal Podcast, but you can find all things Jim Harold at Jim Harold. Jim, how's it going, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Hey, we had a little bit of a false start there, but I got to say, I got to say that we are here. We persevere. We are podcasters. That's right. And we rise above technical issues. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, for those of you just to, to <laughs> for those of you that missed it, Many moons ago, I tried BeLive.tv, and I would occasionally freeze up. And uh, I said, hey, new computer. I thought it was the old computer. Turns out it's not. We don't know what the deal is, uh, and it's not a BeLive problem. I'm pretty sure it's a Dave Jackson apartment internet problem, something. But we kept locking up, and nothing was working. And we went, hey, let's go back to the tried and true method. If, uh, if you do want to call in, you can do that. The number is 330 330- Two nine four nine three nine three, and uh, you can dial in via the phone. Or if you want, if you even if you well, we prefer you have clothes on. You can actually go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join. We did have a, a young boy join once shirtless, and we're like, I don't know if this is good. We like, can you go put on some clothes? Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a a fun little uh, false start. But uh, we are here. And uh, like you said, I I think this is a skill that podcasters like develop. And that yeah. is just that like, we don't really get rattled because it's like, Oh, look, technology's not working. Hold on. Let's go to <laughs> plan. New? Yeah. Let's go to plan C and uh, you just kind of keep rolling on. So, but Jim, I got very, very lucky that, uh, that you are here today. Cause how many books do you have? I have five books and I don't even know how many, I have like, eight or nine podcasts currently, but some of those are premium, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm busy just like you. Yeah. So I, I, one of the things, a, a great lesson here is always check whatever you have out there as contact information. So for me, I have a, a toll-free number courtesy of podcastvoicemail.com, and uh, it's on my website and I get emails when people send me like, it'll send me a really kind of not great version of their voicemail and usually it's something like this. That's it. And I'm like two minutes of, or to be, you know, this is the IRS. You, you got, uh, you know, like, okay. Are you trying to repay your student loan? <laughs> so uh, I got this voicemail and uh, it went like this. Uh, Dave, this is Howard Bastard. I'm the publisher at Sarah Walls in New York City. And I noticed that you have an ebook out from 2012 about making money doing podcasts. Um, We'd like to do an expanded version of a book like that. And I wondered if you'd be interested in being the author. Um, We would be planning to do a physical book as well as an ebook. And we're distributed by Simon & Schuster, so we have excellent uh, market penetration. My number Okay, and then we'll stop it there. So it's one of those things where you listen to it and you go, wait, is that a book offer? <laughs> it's like, it sure sounds like a book offer. So that's, and what's cool is I was getting ready to rewrite that book anyway. It's called More Podcast Money, and it doesn't even mention Patreon in it because, well, 
Patreon didn't exist when that right. book was written. So, um, have you gone the traditional publisher route? I know you've done some that are self-published. I you- did. I did do a traditional book uh, with kind of what do we call a midlist publisher, and they're nice people. And I still interview uh, people who do books with that firm. It wasn't like a Simon and Schuster, but I did, and it was okay. But what I learned really quickly was is that basically these days, unless you have a huge publisher as an author. You need to do all your own marketing and everything. And the first book, you know, it was cool. I walked into Barnes and Noble and it's on the shelf. I mean, how cool is that nice picture? Right. But after that, it was kind of like, you know, you wait for these statements and all these things. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So just like I did with podcasting, I kind of took a crash course on self-publishing. I've had five books out. They've sold way better than my published book sold hmm. and I have more control and I use a professional formatter. I use a professional editor. So the, the end product is indistinguishable. In fact, I think it's better than the one that I had through the publishing company and I make more money and have yeah. more control and I can turn it around a lot faster. Um, so for me, uh, the self-publishing route, just like independent podcasting has been the way to go. Now, if somebody comes to me and says they're from Simon and Schuster and wants to do a book, I'm listening. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, it, aside from that, for me, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the days of the boy bands. Um, and I think it was 98 degrees or one of those that wasn't one of the top, top, like they weren't the Backstreet Boys or, right. you know, it was, it was like they were, and they had lost their record label and they went to, like CD baby, I think it was and released their latest, like they recorded a, it was a good sounding album professionally done that whole nine yards, but they just didn't have a deal to distribute it. And they went to CD baby and they sold considerably less copies, but made boatloads more money because as opposed to making a buck 50 a CD, they were now making $4 a CD. And it was like, Holy cow. We should do interesting things. I actually was approached again by the publisher to do another book and I turned it down. Ah. And I sold more independent publishing. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, I think a lot of people think that if I get, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a big publisher, you know, they're going to, they're going to set up a a book tour and they're going to get me on Oprah (laughs) Or whatever, you know, delusions of grandeur. And from what I hear, it's like, no, they're going to pay for your editor and all the, yeah. that's it. I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, again, traditional publishing is great. And for the right topic and the right situation, fantastic. I think actually now would be a really smart time for a major publisher to do a book about podcasting, about making money in it. Cause I think we're at that kind of critical mass, but I mean, for the majority of people, just like I, I think, you know, if somebody, Dave, comes to you, many people do and say, I want a podcast. Should I wait for, to be signed by Wondery or Gimlet? Right. I would say, uh, no, I think you should start your own. And then if your ambition is to get with one of those big publishing houses, podcast publishing houses or producers, then maybe you'll be discovered. Maybe you can reach out after you have 50 episodes and it's a great show. You know, so to me, the the, the I, I love I, I'm a control freak. I like to control my own right. stuff. With podcast, I mean, really, frankly, the book piece is a very relatively small part of my revenue. Most of my revenue as a company comes from podcasting. But I've had offers to join big network podcast groups. And I looked at the contract and I said, I don't think so. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad in retrospect I didn't. Uh, so the thing is, is that I love being independent and it would take a lot for me to, uh, uh, a lot for me to, to change that. Well, you're doing this, like, this is now your job. And, yep. uh, so walk us through like, what is a day? Cause I know everybody likes to go just follow your dreams and work hard. Um, so what does that look like in reality? Like what's, what's a day in the life of Jim Harold look like? Well, I do want to answer that quickly. I want to say this was a long journey. This was not mm. a short journey. I started podcasting in 2005 because I was a frustrated broadcasting student. Previously, I'd gone to be a media rep selling advertising, which is actually great training for this job, believe it or not. Uh, but I was frustrated I wasn't in front of the mic. So 2005, I started podcasting. It grows, it grows, it grows. I start a membership site in 2011. It grows more. 2012, I go full-time. I've been full-time uh, since 2012, and my goodness, that's almost seven years. Yeah. So just want to get that out. Of well, way. that's great because, again, that's what, six years from? Yeah. 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 That because people now say, hey, Dave, I want to start a podcast. How can I make a living at it by next week? Yeah. And, and and maybe for some people, you know, there have been people I know who have actually listened to my show and have become podcasters and have quickly been able to make that shift. But that's an exception yeah. rather than the rule. It takes a while if you want to do this for a living, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, you back to your question that I so uh, magnificently dodged. Um, I treat it very much like uh, 8.30 to 5 job. My motto, because people say, oh, you could take it easy. You could kick back. You can watch television. And then two months, I'll be looking for a job. This is my job, and I take it extremely seriously. Uh, I'm typically in here. I drop my daughter off to work. I'm in here by 830. Uh, every day is a little bit different. Mondays and Tuesdays tend to be editing. Wednesdays and Thursdays, I batch record interviews. Uh, and then Fridays are kind of my cleanup day. And then as needed, I'll do work on the weekends or in the evenings uh, for my campfire podcast, which are true ghost stories from real people who call in. I have an evening recording session because people work. Yeah. Uh, so I work some evenings and, and that's kind of the way that it goes. But basically I have a virtual assistant up in Canada who handles all my booking for interviews and things. And we share Google Calendar. And they're put right in there. And, uh, you know, I see what's lined up for the day for recording and I record the sessions and sometimes what happened to us happens, you know, yeah. I can't get this thing working, but it's very much a workman kind of perspective. I do my own editing because I've had some great people edit for me in the past, but I find I'm, I, I'm very specific with what I want <laughs> a little too much. Um, so I've just decided to pretty much do that myself, especially now with the roadcaster that makes it much easier. Um, and that's my day. So Mondays and Tuesdays, business stuff, editing all day long, uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, batch recording interviews, Friday, kind of a cleanup day. So that's what my kind of week looks like. So it's an actual job. You're it just, is a job. You're not sitting and back that, watching Dr. Phil. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And the thing is, is that I probably most weeks work more than 40 hours a week, but I'm so passionate about, I love my topic. I think it's fascinating. I also enjoy the business side of it and I enjoy the tech side of it. So I kind of have the perfect job because I, I, I enjoy the business side, believe it or not. I enjoy the tech. I love gadgets. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then I'm legitimately interested in the other side of life that there's more than you can weigh on a scale or measure in a test tube 
and that things that we don't understand in the universe happen. So that's that's basically uh, that's basically my job. Well, somebody in the uh, chat room here, uh, the covert nerd says, uh, what are your thoughts on editing? How much do you edit? Uh, do you are, is it on the extreme side? Do you take out every um or ah, or do you just trim the front and back and then release? What's what's your idea of editing? Well, uh, I like to get as good a sound quality as possible. So I'm kind of persnickety about that. Ums and ahs. To me, every podcast I record, my goal is for the interview to essentially be live to tape. So if I, um, once in a while, I typically don't take that out unless it's really egregious. So my dream is to, to start a 45-minute interview in 5432, start it, end it, and be able to put that in. Now, um, getting back to the roadcaster, it has noise gates and everything on it, so it, it reduces a lot of the need to do a lot of work in post. And I want to sound good, though. I am a bit of a snob about sound quality, so I will tweak and I will do those things to make it sound better, but you got to watch with that. Otherwise, you sound like you're in a submarine. So, uh, and I'm a big fan of Alphonic. God bless Alphonic. Yeah. And uh, the the thing is, is that I want to sound good, but the ums and ahs, I don't worry about it. It's the way people talk. I try to be as professional as I can. And hopefully my guest is relatively articulate and uh, away we go. Well, that would be my question. When you bring on a guest, I don't know, this sounds like a really stupid question, but you have a reason why they're on, correct? Well, see, it's a mixed bag for me because okay. um, the Paranormal Podcast and uh, many of my uh, plus shows are interview shows with authors or experts. Okay. So they've usually written a book or they have some expertise, you know, the latest book on UFOs, the latest book on Area 51, the um, latest book on near-death experiences. So those people are usually pretty steeped in interviews and, and know how to do it. So yes, those people. And then on my other shows, though, I have a couple of shows that are more audience participation, and those can be some of the most challenging because, uh, as I think we've discussed in the past, these people don't have great mics. They don't have great sound. Yeah. Campfire are true ghost stories. People could be calling in from their cell phone. They could be calling in from a landline. I'm trying to push people to Zoom these days. I'm using Zoom a lot. Mm -hmm. Eventually want to use Squadcast once they have the mobile capability, because I think that's very appealing to people to have, be able to use their cell phone, even if they're on data. And uh, those are the more challenging ones. And those are the ones that require more work in, in post. Uh, and, and you've got to kind of coach the people because like, well, could you turn the TV off behind you? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe now you've got the crying baby in your arms. Well, maybe now is not a good time to record. Maybe we should reschedule. So those are the most challenging shows to do. Yeah. Um, another one is Soulmate Stories, a newer podcast I started with my wife about true love and the strange circumstances that lead to two people being together, which is a really fun show to do. But those are the most challenging in terms of editing, in terms of sound, to get that to sound good, to get that to sound right. But some of the biggest radio programs are call-in shows. So people, I think, understand when those kind of shows people are calling in, they're not going to be calling in from a studio. I mean, you look at right. Coast to Coast AM, you look at Rush Limbaugh, uh, you look at every local talk radio station, people are calling in with their cell phone. So, I mean, I think people get that context and they, they understand. Yeah. Well, speaking of calling in, you said hitting the jingle, uh, you can dial in. It's uh, 330-294-9393 if you have a question. 
9393. And we're also at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live where the lovely and talented Miss Eileen has entered the chat room. So that's always great from Philly, Philly in the house. Um, can we talk about your, in, cause you're, you're, uh, you're self-employed, I guess at this point, and you have a wife and children. So what the heck do you do for insurance? Uh, well, first of all, now I guess I was technically self-employed for years. Now I have a LLC and the whole hmm. thing. So I work for Jim Harold media, there we go. uh, but, uh, which is a company of my creation, but, uh, I just go through one of the local chamber of commerce organizations and they have group insurance. It's very expensive. I think yeah. I end up, I, I'm not ashamed to say this. it's a couple thousand dollars a month. It's like, eek. Ow, um, that hurts. Know. Yeah, almost just shy of a couple thousand a month. And that's gone up every year. And I think everybody in society is dealing with this to some extent. Uh, But it's kind of like the cost of admission, right? I just know I have to make enough and do enough uh, to cover that every month. And the thing is, is that to me, that's, you know, you talked about what's your day like. That's a real impetus to be in the office at 8.30 (laughs) a.m. every morning. That really gets you going. Yeah, you see the, uh, yeah, holy cow, that would be yeah, it's, yeah, that, that'll definitely keep you from watching Dr. Phil. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, I went out this morning. I did always go out and I look at different Facebook groups and stuff. And uh, you were talking about doing interviews and such. And so uh, Alexis said, my first guest um, has done a TEDx. So first of all, we need to understand, and this is nothing against TEDx, but there are TED Talks and then there are TEDx. Right. So I always kind of consider that. And I have to be careful with this because I've heard some really good TEDx things, but it's kind of like the, the, is it the minor leagues? Do you think of Ted kind of? I would think so. I mean, it's not as big as getting a Ted talk Yeah, uh, like you. I mean, there probably could be TEDx talks. They're actually better than some of the actual, actual TED. TED yeah. But you got to put it in context. Yeah. Right? And, and so she says, I want to match uh, their professionalism, but it's my first guest. And so, She's kind of nervous. And so one of the comments I thought was really cool was from uh, Jeff Bradbury, who does the teacher cast. He said, talk to the person, not the resume. And I think that's one of your keys. Now, like you mentioned with with the fireside, you're kind of just opening up a bag and going, tell me your story. So you're not really sure what you're going to get. But with a a kind of planned interview, you kind of know who you're talking to. So you can have some, some questions set out and things like that. Yeah. Have you ever gotten starstruck with anybody? I mean, you were on, what was the TV, the radio show? Um, I've been on coast to coast AM like eight times. Yeah. Now did you want your pants the first time? Uh, yeah. The first time I can listen to that and hear my voice quit over me because <laughs> <laughs> I know millions of people are listening. I mean, literally millions of people, if people aren't familiar, that's the old Art Bell show. George Norrie has hosted it for quite a while. And that's the show that, uh, you know, is the biggest nighttime show on radio in America. But it's like anything else. Now when I do it, I'm just as relaxed as when I'm doing one of my own shows. And those people have been very, very nice to me. And it's helped with the growth of the shows. But, uh, yeah, sure. Sometimes you get starstruck. Yeah. So I, I always tell people, number one, don't go after a big fish. Um, when you're just starting out, I know it's like, wow, I can talk to so-and-so, but my, the, the piece of advice that I've thrown out that I've had more people say, I am so glad I did this is go interview your parents if they're still around, because number one, it gives you the ability 
kind of in a different, like a, a different power structure. Like I am the interviewer, you are the interviewee. And you just need to understand, you, you need to get into the shoes of the interviewer because it's not just, I ask questions and the answer. The fun part's what's going on in your head right. when, when you ask the question and they're answering. And so at the same time, you're, you're listening to it, trying to figure out, do I need to, to ask a follow-up? Uh, are they actually answering the question I asked? That's always a good one. What time is it? And they go, it's uh, blue. And you're like, okay, they didn't answer the question. Um, you know, and, and politicians, I love what politicians do. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, well, uh, what are your thoughts on the wall? Well, I'd love to talk to you about the wall. But more importantly, I want to talk to you about working Americans. And then they totally <laughs> twist the question. Yeah. But um, I just want to interject one thing, and I'm so sorry to do this. You I'll asked do it. Truck, Ed Asner. I interviewed Ed Asner oh. and cause for a while I was doing a show as most podcasters, as I think you have, and many of us have who are addicted to these, we start podcast and then like, eh, it doesn't have the audience. Well, I did about 20 episodes of a show called the great TV podcast where I, uh, and I still think that show has legs. So I may bring it back at some point. So I interviewed Marianne from Gilligan's Island and all these great people. Ed Asner, who has won more Emmys than anybody in television history. I was totally starstruck, but anyway, I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I, I like that. So, I mean, that's really the thing is to get good at interviewing, you have to just interview. And so don't, don't start with a big fish, uh, go over and, and just interview people. And, and again, you're not going to release the interview with your parents. It's just practice, but you'll be amazed at what you, what goes on in your head. And so what I usually do is I will come up with like five questions that I definitely want to ask. And I have that to the left of me, I have a pad in front of me with a pen that does not click. And as I'm talking to them, I'm taking notes and I'm listening. That's the biggest thing I'm doing. I ask a question and I usually try to have that first question steer the interview in the direction I want to go. And then I'm listening. And if it's a follow-up question, I'm good to go. And if it's not, if I, in my head, I go, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good answer. Let's move on. I just look over at my list of questions and ask the next one. And kind of go from there. But a lot of times I will have my list of questions and end up not using half of them because yeah. you just, and that's the key of listening. I, I always, have you ever had an interview where, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm interviewing Jim and he says, yeah. And there was the one time when, you know, my parents and I trekked through the blizzard of 77 and my dog died and my mom caught pneumonia and I go, great. What was your aha moment? I'm like, I completely ignore yeah, this. You, you can't do that. By the way, I use index cards. Ah, there you go. I, I have a stack of index cards in every interview. I put a blank index card and I put one or two things down and I start from there. And if they say something that triggers a follow-up, I'll just put a bullet point and I'll say dog dies, you know, or whatever it might be. But yeah, I try not to do that. I, I really don't come in with a lot of prepared questions. And part of that is doing this for 14 years. Yeah. So, but I, I think you get better. It's like anything else. I mean, there are people way better than I am. There's no question about it. And, and I think I'm decent though uh, at interviewing, but listening is probably the most important skill because you can pick things out of questions. And my favorite is when people will say, well, nobody's ever asked me that. That's the, to me, that. when I hear that, I'm like somebody that's like, that's like, and hand them the award. You did, you know, you did something good. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite. No, I said, that's a good question. Now, sometimes people say that's a good question, yeah. just to like a filler to give them time to think. Yeah. Uh, but when they say, oh, hmm, no, nobody's ever asked me that before. I love that. Yeah. Every time I hear 
the whole that's a good question there's a part of me that just <laughs> i'm just like no no it's not a good question um and it was an okay question but yeah it's exactly what you said they're just trying to come up with an answer in their head um daniel in the chat room says about interviewing your parents he says um i did that i interviewed my parents and then wow i'm so sorry to hear this my dad died unexpectedly six days later so i'm so glad wow. i did that um, but i did that i i uh i think i've told the story before but i had my um my uh, grandpa every year read the Christmas story and he moved to Texas because my grandma had problems with emphysema and they needed a drier air. So they moved there with my aunt and I had my aunt uh, record him on a cassette deck reading the Christmas story. And every year now, cause he's been long gone every year. That's now in a digital format. Aww. I throw it on Facebook and we all get together and cry. <laughs> so it's a great time. Aww. So no, that is, we did something like that. My father-in-law passed about a year ago now and mm. a few years ago, uh, and uh, I was testing out uh, your favorite microphone. I had purchased a, a Yeti just for the fun of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know how much you love that. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, we did an interview with him. Uh, and it was really interesting because he was from Italy and he had emigrated mm. to America. So he's telling all these stories about his childhood. And and uh, it really is something special. So aside from honing your podcasting skills, I think it's just a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, other people that we we cherish that are actually still, I'm trying to, there's no transition out of that. You know that? And I think about that. I'm like, that's it, that. It's like that Casey Kasem thing where he's <laughs> talking about transitioning out of a, a death dedication. <laughs> yeah. These tempo records coming out of a dog dying. Uh, but I do want to take a second. Jim, you have a whole membership site. I have, I'm using uh, Patreon here. And so if you, if you are kind enough to donate $20 a month to ask the podcast coach. Uh, I mention you in every show. So I'm talking about now I do have Josh Liston. We have the big shot smarty pants level and that's where Ooh. you get a uh, hour of uh, free. Well, not out. It's not free, but you get an hour of consulting at a discounted rate. And uh, he's currently doing a show called on the bubble podcast. You're talking about your TV podcast. He does a show where about shows that are on the bubble and how fans have rallied to either try to save the show. And in some cases they did. And in some cases they did, but it's amazing the the lengths that people go to, to try to keep stuff on the air. Um, so yeah. And if you do pledge $20, you get mentioned every week. So we're talking about awesome people like great from uh debt shepherd where he teaches financial wellness, Jonathan Bloom from uh, you can get some weekly inspiration at weekly awesome.com. Uh, Glenn, the geek Hebert at horse radio network.com. Josh Rivers at podcastingexperiments.com. Josh was a co-host a couple weeks ago. Uh, Max Trescott up there in the air at aviationnewstalk.com. His his pictures on his website make me nervous because it's he's in this little baby plane. And I'm like, no, you just, no, I'm just, I, I trust Max with my life. I'm not getting in a plane that, no, that's that small. Uh, Shane from Spybrary. So if you're into spy stuff, uh, check him out at spybrary.com. Carrie Bond, who I will be seeing, I believe, at PodFest. Uh, you can check her out at keywestperspective.com slash podcast. And uh, Ronsley over at Amplify Media Group. This is uh, a podcast kind of uh, creation, promotion, all sorts of tool uh, in Australia. They're on the other side of the pond. And you can find him at mustamplify.com. And uh, that's it for our $20 uh, people. Now, uh, at the beginning of the month, we actually uh, talk about all our awesome supporters, but that's the $20 people. So thank you very much. If you'd like to be an awesome supporter, go out to ask the slash awesome. And uh, we can have your name right here. So you said you have a, a membership site. What's any insights into having a membership site that you'd like to share? 
Well, I can say this. I used to do it via wishlist member. If you're familiar mm-hmm. for years, I use that to power it. Basically, just to set the stage, uh, my free podcasts, uh, the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire, those two have hundreds of episodes. Uh, I think we're almost at 600 for Paranormal Podcast and almost at 400 for Campfire. And those shows are free for 90 days. Then they go into an archive. So basically, they're always about a dozen free shows. And then the other hundreds, you have to be a plus member. Then I have shows, UFO Encounters, The Cryptid Report, Ghost Insight, Conspiracy Corner. And there's a couple more that I'm not thinking about right now. Those are all plus only. So you have to be a member to listen to those. Those really, at this point, don't have an RSS feed anymore. So some people would debate whether they're podcast or not. But I actually use your company now, Libsyn to power all that. And I got to say, it's the best thing that I ever did because when I was doing all this through wishlist member and they've got a great plugin, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot of self-managing and people would contact me. I have to update my credit card and it was so labor intensive. It gave me an ulcer. Mm. So, (laughs) so uh, about a year and a half ago, I've been talking to Rob Walsh uh, about this and the timing wasn't right, but the timing became right. And, uh, We had a lengthy, I work with Sarah over there. We had a lengthy process of transitioning all my people over and I've been using Libsyn and the great Libsyn app. Um, And uh, it's been fantastic. If people want to find my uh, app, by the way, and you can listen to a lot of free shows on there. And uh, plus eventually, if you become a super fan, that's called Jim Harold Spooky Studio. And that's uh, that's a very cool thing. So um, I love what Libsyn does with premium podcasting. I'm actually surprised they don't promote it more uh, because it's been great for me. I love it. Yeah, the, the fun part of that, especially with the app, is every time, I don't know about you, every time I fire up my phone in the morning, I have, you know, five to 20 apps that need updated and that's one of the things you're actually paying for with that. It's the fact that the app gets updated in that whole nine yards. Uh, Bang's Naughty Bit. That's his actual screen name. He says, do you have any worries about YouTube cracking down on conspiracy shows and channels? Well, uh, first of all, I would say the conspiracy thing is not a lot of what I do. Yeah. And when I, uh, that is one of my premium shows. But first of all, I don't use YouTube for it. But secondly, I stay away from the more what I would call radical conspiracies, ones where people are calling out groups or doing things like that. I tend to talk more about historical conspiracies like the JFK assassination, which I actually think it was a conspiracy or things like that. So I try to stay away from kind of I mean, I don't want to insult people, but some of the goofier right. ideas out there, although I have interviewed flat earthers before. I don't believe it. I said very clearly. I don't believe this, but let me give you their perspective. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. He, he says in the chat room, they specified flat earth yeah. as an example. That's interesting. But and- I guess I would say this. I, I mean, as long as you're not uh, practicing hate speech or anything right. like that, if somebody believes the earth is flat, why shouldn't they have a platform to say, I think the earth is flat? They may be totally wrong. Right. What's wrong with that? Right. It doesn't hurt anything. So what's the big deal? Right. Um, I was amazed at, I was listening to, there's a show called Congressional Dish by Jennifer Briney, and it started off with her reading every bill that went through Congress, which is painful. And she's <laughs> kind of now, because um, she just couldn't keep up, but she she does follow Congress. And she did a thing where she mentioned there's a, basically in the 70s, the CIA got caught 
messing in other people's elections. And and we went, hey, that's not right. So they created this other private organization that just so happens to get funded by our government that then gets uh, funding, like millions of dollars to go to all these other countries. So it's it's this whole, you know, shell game of that. But she was explaining how there were, I think she said 880 Facebook pages that got pulled down and she said what it is. And she was, it's, this is her kind of conspiracy thing. She goes, what the government is doing is when you hear them bringing in Verizon and YouTube and Facebook into the, they're saying, look, the government can't censor people. Cause that's, that's bad. Like we, we, we can't have a government that that's not free speech, you know, but if you guys want to pull down these 880 Facebook pages, you know, that's, that would be your call. And it was like, Oh, Holy cow. And she said there was one that she used to listen to because it was this whole, kind of things that the government shouldn't be doing and look, they're doing it. And they were kind of pointing it out. And she said, I used to follow them on Twitter. And she goes, here's the the sad thing is uh, she goes, I, when you just remove a Twitter, all of a sudden in your Twitter feed, you don't notice that you're not getting their stuff anymore. And she goes, that's the whole point. This thing just kind of drifted away. And she didn't realize until she saw this article and recognized that, Hey, this is one of the pages that got, you know, taken down. She's like, Oh, I follow them on Twitter. And then she goes, Actually, no, I don't. Their Twitter doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, oh, that's that's uh, that's some fun conspiracy stuff. So uh, yeah, I don't there's, there's a you know, I think it's a fine line between censoring things that obviously should be censored, right. like hate speech and things. There's no place for that. And, and then also but not going to the level of, of, of people who have different theories and necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I'm not really concerned that much for me personally, uh, because conspiracy stuff is about literally right. about three percent of what I do. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I can understand people being concerned about it, and it's a it's a tough question. Yeah, it's spooky stuff. But speaking of tough questions, if you have one, the phone number is three three zero two nine four nine three nine three. That number is three three zero two nine four nine three nine three, and you can uh, talk to Jim or I, and we will talk about anything. I mean, we're talking about books and conspiracies. You got a question about microphones. We will talk about uh, anything that you want to talk about. I always worry about that because it's like, well, we, we talk about stuff and then people are like, oh, I didn't have a question about books. I'm like, no, no, call in with with uh, with whatever you have. If you want to, uh, you know, talk with, um, you know, you were talking about using Zoom earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, big, I'm a big fan of Squadcast. Uh, whatever you feel like talking about, we'll be happy to uh, to talk about. I want to say thanks to uh, everyone in the chat room. We are at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. Um, what microphone are you using? Is that a RE20? It is an RE20. And then my other microphone over here that you can't see out of the shot is the vaunted Heil PR40. <laughs> and then the other day I found myself looking at one of the broadcast catalogs. Well, maybe. The 320 is and it's like stop stop with the microphones it's you know you you sound good enough but make your interviewing better make your editing better make your technique better you've got you know there's a lot of broadcasting legends who have used this guy yeah so the mic is good i don't need a new mic i don't need a new cable I don't need a new recorder. I just need to get better at what I do. And that's the thing is people think, well, because you've been doing this 10, 11, 14 years, wherever it might be that, oh, you've, you've made it to me. I always want to get better. Last year was my big year to improve my sound, which ended up in the roadcaster. Uh, that was what I wanted to do was make my sound better and better and better. Because I think as podcasters, we have to be more cognizant of our sound than ever independent podcasters, because 
we're competing against the big boys. So I think having good sound, and you can do that very economically with something like a ATR 2100 or a Samson Q2U. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that these days very economically, but the days when I started, I started with a, um, what was it? Plantronics headset. Those days are over over if you want to compete. Yeah. I, uh, I do a show called the podcast rodeo show where I just basically listen to the first couple minutes of your show, see if I can hang on or not. And I had someone last week, um, yeah, bangs in the the chat room says I'm one good microphone away, or I'm one microphone away from a good show. He goes, I'm thinking of the snowball, and somebody had taken the beloved uh, Blue Yeti and done my favorite thing, which is stuck it in the middle of the table. So I'm going to rec- it's it's literally sounding like this, yes. where it's it's the same volume level, but there's just all this room noise, and I was like, oh, you know, and then somebody was really close to it, and I was like, no, this is the stuff, you know, you don't have to sound like NPR. Thank God. Wouldn't that be God if every show just started off and we're like, you know, talk about the today we're going to be talking about. Yes. yes. Um, But I was going to say this. You were asking on your other show about podcasting pet peeves. Yes. Podcasting pet peeves. All right. Let me add a marker. There we go. Okay. Here's my podcasting pet peeve. You start out with this tremendously produced open. Like Mike Russell's special compressed. You're listening to the, it sounds great. And then it's like, hi, everybody. We're here uh, talking about business and you. <laughs> yes, that's it. Or the, the, the opposite. If, if you have some same thing, high energy music and it comes in it's like, all right, today we're going to be talking about, or the opposite, you know, it's, it's, it's cool jazz music, right? Like, and then somebody comes in and they're like, yeah, today, uh, you know, it's a super low volume, just low energy. Yeah. That's, I've had a lot of people get hung up on music. Like they have their idea. They've got the website, they've got their episodes ready to go. They cannot find the right music. That's one where I kind of go eventually just any, meeny, miny, mo, throw a dart and pick one. You can always change it later. Uh, Mark Marin, when he first started off illegally was using, uh, ACDC's, um, oh. live wire. Yeah. If you go back to the, like the original five episodes of, uh, um, the Mark Marin show WTF, I was, I'm listening to it and it's like, that's ACDC. I'm like, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I think you've said it, Rob Walsh has said it. Many people have said it. Can I use any form of licensed music, any length? Just don't. Just forget it. Yeah. Now, we know, and there's been a lot of talk lately with licensing and the Spotify thing, maybe things will change at some point for certain platforms. Maybe that could happen. Maybe that's, it's not now. Forget it. Just, and and the other thing I want to bring up, and you kind of, you said people get stuck uh, stuck on their music. Mm-hmm. And, and I do this with things in my life. Like you do a weight loss podcast. I want to lose weight. Well, sometimes you just come up with reasons you can't do something. I can't mm. go to the gym because it's too cold outside or I can't, you know, I'm too busy or whatever. And I think sometimes people do that with podcasting. The thing is, is that your first podcast is not the final destination. That's just the starting point. Just start. Yeah. And do the best you can. I mean, study up, try to do the best sound you can initially sign up to the school of podcasting, do the things you should do, but then start realizing that episode 50, if you're doing the right stuff, it's going to be a heck of a lot better than episode one. Well, speaking of starting another podcast, 
<laughs> you, <laughs> you've been thinking about starting another. How many podcasts do you do you know really at this point? How many you have? Let me pull up my app. I will tell you all the podcasts <laughs> I do because I can't name them off the top of my head. Let yeah. me. I, I seriously, I can't name them off the top of my head. Okay. Oh, oh, Miss uh, right. <laughs> Eileen, we're going to talk about that in post show. Miss Eileen's got a great question, but go ahead. So how many shows do you have? Uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, one paranormal podcast. That's free as well. Uh, two crime scene. That's a free show. Three great TV podcast. I don't count that because I'm not actively doing it. the cryptid report. Ancient mysteries on the air. Conspiracy corner. Ghost insight. The other side. UFO encounters and soulmate stories, which is also a free podcast. So one, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think ten at this point. And you're pondering doing another one. Yes. I'm nuts. No. <laughs> uh yes I am. Well the thing is is that I've been podcasting since two thousand five. My original inspirations were the great Adam Curry and Leo Laporte. And uh, which is another subject. A lot of people out there think the podcasting started three years ago if you see some of the things that are going around Facebook these days. But those were my inspirations started in 2005. And, uh, you know, I've studied up on this stuff. I've listened to all the great podcasts from you and Todd and Rob Greenlee and Elsie and Rob Walsh at Libsyn and Ray Ortega and Daniel J. Lewis and Cliff Ravenscraft, although he's kind of gotten away from podcasting as a subject per se. But I find myself over the years, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Or no, I, I disagree with that. And I realize I'm talking to my my phone, you know, <laughs> nobody know. And I think, you know, having done this since 2005, I have something to say. It might all be wrong, but I have some opinions. And really, it's funny because I'm known in my vertical, but nobody in the podcasting industry knows me. They have mm. no idea who I am that, you know, there's a pro podcaster in Northeastern Ohio who's been doing this since 2005 and, and has built this little business on it. Um, so I wanted to change that. Plus, I just like to talk to cool people. <laughs> so my goal is to talk to the people I admire in podcasting. And again, if I can get these people or not, uh, certainly the Dave Jacksons of the world, Todd Cochran, Rob Greenlee, Rob Walsh, Elsie. I'd love to get an Adam Curry. I'd love to get a Leo Laporte. These people who have really formed podcasting. And then get some of the new voices in too. maybe talk to some of the people at these big companies and see what they think they're going to bring new to the table. And they can bring new and good things to the table. And that's my idea. And maybe once in a while, I'll put an opinion in there to just have conversations with these people kind of one-on-one. -on -one. And will we cover as much, you know, what mic you should use and things? Well, right. we might occasionally say, hey, what's your favorite mic? What's your favorite piece of podcast gear? But this is, I think, more at kind of the the cerebral level of uh, podcasting and, and just talk about where'd you come from? Tell us your story. Where do you think it's all going? What do you think about what's going on? Those are the kind of things I think I'd like to cover. Yeah. That's uh, when Daniel J. Lewis started the audacity to podcast. And he talks about the reason he started that is he was listening to, to me and cliff and whoever else. And he said, but it, we weren't talking about what he wanted to talk about. And he said he thought there was room and, and right. everybody has a different opinion. So that's always going to be uh, different in, in that whole nine yards. But uh, so any, uh, any, anything else we should mention on that or, or. Well, the only thing I will say is that it has a humorous title because I know there's a lot of podcasts out there about podcasting. So I'm going to do a wink and a nod to that, but that's, uh, we'll leave it at that. And, and I do think that uh, we will have a certain hall of fame podcaster uh, 
from the Akron, Ohio area on the show. So we're very privileged to do that. So, uh, so yeah, that should be coming. I'm hoping to get that up and running by the beginning of March. There you go. That's right around the corner. Because you, you'll you you can have great discussions. Miss Eileen brought this up. Um, oh, Beyond podcasting, I think is the name of the show. I should know because Alan puts that he has uh, in the same yeah in the same way that I keep hitting this. You know, and you're like, okay. Uh, and after a while, you're like, please no more. I can't take any more. Uh, Alan does this thing where in and it's not even like a transition. Like just all of a sudden, in the middle of a sentence. He has beyondpodcasting.com or whatever his website is. And I, I've emailed him like, Alan, I find that really annoying. Why, why are you doing that? And he's like, hey, it's my show. And I'm like, you're right. Uh, but Alan did a thing. He took a thing that Rob Walsh said. Talk about arguing over. Oh, yeah. About Rob said that, I forget what it was, but basically said, if you're recording at 48 kilohertz, um, you're not really podcasting or you're not. Everybody should just do 44.1. And so Alan has taken that clip and I was actually schooled on something this morning. Uh, We can talk about that later, but um, that goes back to the days when most of the players were flash and you would, if it was 48 kilohertz, you would sound like a chipmunk. Yeah. And so I think that's why Rob said that, but for some reason, Alan seems to have quite the burr up his rear end about this. Like, what do you mean? How dare you, sir? Um, and he was in satisfaction. Yes. Although I'm sure he's, he's from Europe, isn't he? I don't think he has a Southern. Home, so. No, he's actually, um, I think he's bilingual. I think he's originally from the Dominican something, some sort of Hispanic. This is one of those where you're like, oh, I'm an old white guy. I don't know what to say without offending people. Um, but he started like the 48 K club and like, if your show is recorded in 40. So what I want to do is I actually want, I might do this on the school of podcasting this week. I want to record both versions. Like I'm going to take me saying, this is me recording at 48 kilohertz and then go, this is me recording at 44, one kilohertz and listen to the two. Because my favorite is when people talk about luffs, you know, should we, should we export it minus 14 luffs because that's what Spotify wants or should it be minus 12, which is what so-and-so wants. And so I actually exported the same file. I just took it in Hindenburg and said, export this at minus 14, export this at minus 12. And the difference is so insanely small that I'm like, I I cannot believe we're arguing over this I think it's even like podcasting equipment, right? It's like to a certain point, it makes a huge difference. And once you get to a certain point, the difference is really for those with golden ears, with high end receivers and, you know, okay, let's say that you have, we have a great orchestra in here in Cleveland and people don't know the Cleveland orchestra. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to the Cleveland orchestra on a high end audiophile Macintosh receiver with Macintosh uh, speakers and a soundtrack, uh, sound treated room, and you listen to forty four point one, and you hear all those harmonics and everything. And you listen to forty eight kilohertz, you might be able to tell the difference. Probably you will, especially if you're an audiophile. The average person is out jogging; they're in their car. I don't think the vast majority of people are going to know the difference. Now, I always think we should strive for better. So if there's a case to be made to go to 48 kilohertz, I'm not necessarily against it. In fact, the road native and roadcaster natively records in 48 kilohertz. If you drag it into audition and you have a 44.1 project, it'll, it'll prompt you to to make a copy and convert those files anyway. So I'm not against recording in 48. I want it to sound as good as it can, but I think it's kind of like, arguing about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. 
Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. That's me. I'm like, and he's, I, I think, see, I don't know Alan that well, but I think calling out the head of Libsyn, see, it, it, if it wasn't Alan, see, I don't know him that well, but to me, it smells like I've had people, I'll put it this way. I've had people um, on the podcast radio show where I will review your show. And sometimes I'm like, this was a great show, but sometimes I'm like, okay, this, this, you need to do this. I would do this. I would do this. And I would do this. And they were not happy that I basically told them that their baby was ugly. And so they did an episode and they were just talking about, you know, Dave's a douchebag and Dave this, and who is this old white guy? And blah. And they were really just trying to like, let's, let's get, let's get Dave to talk about our show. Right. And this is one of those things being an old white guy. I've seen that before. Uh, it worked for Howard Stern for years, but I know when you're trying to goat me into a thing so that we can have a little fight and, I, I don't know. A lot of those fights were actually orchestrated behind the scenes. Uh, Con- Conan O'Brien was talking about this, how when the writers went on strike, he and Stephen, uh, the other guy, Stephen Colbert, and I forget, I think it might have been Jimmy Fallon. Or, they were all talking about, like, look, we don't have any writers. Let's let's start a little tiff because that'll be something to talk about. Disc jockeys used to do this all the time, right? Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, I think that that's, that that's possible. I mean, I've, I've read Alan's stuff and it seems very, uh, wow. and interesting, but, uh, I do, I think it's in, worth getting in a big kerfuffle. No, I, yeah. if you want to be in 48 K and you want to, uh, you want to uh, promote that to people, that's, that's fine. But I, I'm a big, I'm a live and let live guy. That's it. I'm like, hey, that's me. In 40, 44.1. God bless you. That's you it. Great. God bless you. Have fun. That's me. I'm like, so I want to, I'm like, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying, I wonder if there really is a difference. We'll have to find out. And I'm with you. I'm like, Hey, you want to do 48 K you go do that. And you wave your 48 K flag and you, you wave it hard and strong and, and go that route. I know if I did stuff with video, I would definitely be recording in 48 K. I learned that from, from being in the messengers documentary that everything in video was like 48 K right. and I'm like, Oh, okay. Except, um, Oh, that's right. I'm not doing anything in video. So I don't. And for me, it was just always. And again, we're talking a minuscule hassle when you, like you said, you bring into audition and it goes, Hey, this file is not like the other ones. Do you want to convert it? And you're like, okay. Cause 10, five seconds. Yeah. So every, every sound effect file I have is already recorded in 44 one. So that means anytime I bring something in, it's like, Hey, and I'm like, well, everything I own is 44 one. I'm just going to record in 44 one and avoid that. 10 second hassle. So it's really not that big a deal, but yeah, he's uh, a lot of people picked up on that. I'm like, and I think it's because he was calling out Rob. I don't know. But to me, I was like, really, this is, this is what we're going to talk about. Um, I have, uh, I've actually seen one now. I have not heard one yet, but uh, bangs in the chat room is talking about the road pod mic. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is if you look at the specs, it doesn't go down as far in the, the base area. And it also rolls off in the upper area. He says it rolls off around 13 kilohertz. And so I'll be interested here. It's it's designed for the human voice. And in theory, that's kind of where the human voice hangs out. I'll be interested to to see. But uh, I have not actually heard one yet. But I saw where Jessica uh, Kufferman from She Podcast, actually, sure. she got one. And I was like, oh, cool. Plug that bad boy in and let me hear it. Well, I got to say something and we may hear dogs barking at any moment. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> because my family just uh, came home. But but uh, I've got to I want to give a shout out to Road. Now, I've not received any free equipment. 
I purchased this full boat, this roadcaster I got about a month ago and or a month and a half ago now. Um, but they more so, I think, than any other than maybe Heil with, you know what? Um, <laughs> I won't even say it. Um, have reached out more to the podcasting community and said, hey, we're going to put our flag here and we are going to um, we're going to rep the podcasting community and make equipment specifically for them. And I really, I, I think they deserve a big shout out. The only, before I had this, the only piece of road equipment I ever had was the little smart lab for your mm-hmm. iPhone, uh, which was very good. But I, you know, I had no affiliation or anything with road or any, uh, I didn't buy all road came out with, it, I got by it, but I really think they deserve a big, uh, big hand of applause. I know you haven't, you have a point of There we go. And, um, they said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make a big part of our mission, helping out podcasters. And I hope that more, uh, manufacturers do that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. That's one of the things I love about it is the fact that, you know, I, uh, was talking with somebody yesterday about the Divi theme from elegant themes. And it's a really cool theme. A lot of people use it. It's the, the good news is you can do anything in that theme. The bad news is you can do anything with that theme. So there's a little bit of a learning curve there. And he said, Oh, I just used their podcaster template. I'm like, the who the, huh? Cause I have this theme. And he's like, I went over to his website. I'm like, that actually looks pretty cool. He goes, Oh yeah, it's, it's designed specifically for podcasters that have a, you know, a website and you just drag this in. It's already built in to have your latest episode at the top and subscribe buttons and stuff. And I was like, well, that's cool. I didn't know that existed. So it's, it's fun to, uh, to see things like that. Uh, bangs in the chat room says, uh, the smart lab plus is nice. Yeah. The original smart lab, the smart lab, which one did you have the plus or the original? Yeah. Cause I, I heard the, the original one he says was a hissy mess. So, <laughs> well, I, I wanted to pick up on something you said about the the themes. Now, I run the Genesis theme, and somebody had asked in the chat room, "Where are my shows?" JimHerald.com, yes, wherever fine podcasts are heard. But um, I run WordPress. I run Genesis, uh, which is one of the top makers. But one of my critiques of them, they run great stuff. There, it's always updated. And a couple of years ago, I thought I saw something from Brian Gardner, who I believe is like the chief cook and bottle washer there about creating some podcast specific themes. And then it kind of just evaporated away. And I would like to see for the WordPress community, more podcast specific themes. I think there's one, is it called Dixie? There's one. Yeah. That's someone's out there, but uh, I wish we would see more of that because I, I still don't have my website the way that I want it to be. Yeah. Second line themes. I think if you go to school of podcasting.com slash second line, um, or if you go to power of podcasting.com, they actually have a theme made for a network. Um, right. it's, it's pretty cool, but not a hundred percent. I, I have a couple of things in there. I installed, um, the it's hi, oh, Hanny Mora simple podcast press, which is great. It's kind of designed for one podcast. So it puts the school of podcasting logo on all my shows. And I'm like, mm, okay. So I'm trying to maybe get around that, but, uh, um, they're not bad. It's any theme is it's always a, a case of, Oh, I have to tweak this now a little bit. And then what sure. I'm doing, what I'm doing with that particular website is I found another plugin that will pull the RSS feed from all the shows 
and put them on this other show. So that way, if somebody says, where can I find all your stuff? That's about the only reason why I have that website. I go powerofpodcasting.com. Otherwise, I send them to schoolofpodcasting.com. But even that, then I have to go in once a week and go, okay, pull in the shows from this one, this one, that one, that one. So it takes, again, two minutes. But the the one time I forget to do that, somebody goes, hey, I went to find this episode. It's not on the website. I'm like, oh, hold on. And then it's a case, if I want to, this plugin has a service where for 10 bucks a month, they will automatically schedule this import. And I'm like, and it just, right now, I've just noticed I have a lot of five and $10. Oh, that's not much. It's only 10 bucks things. And I'm like, after a while that starts to add up. And I'm like, for now, I'm just going to go over and click the button on Sunday night when I import everything. So, um, but yeah, I'm with you. And I'm surprised Genesis came out with um, Rainmaker. I think yeah, it, well, that that is all changed. You know, that's weird. Um, I had uh, I had my own server for years, which mm-hmm. was a money suck and a lot of you know making sure everything was locked down. And I had somebody who handled security for me. I said this is crazy. So a couple of years ago, I went over to Studio Plus uh, Studio Press Sites, which is owned by Genesis mm-hmm. or Studio Press, one or the other. Studio Press owns Genesis, and I loved it. And then they got bought out by WP Engine. Yeah. And uh, actually, I ended up hosting at Pair Networks, which uh, you would know, Dave, uh, for my WordPress sites, uh, because that is owned by Libsyn. Yeah. Now, how is that working? Because I honestly have, I've never used a Pair website. I probably should. I've been very happy with it. Cool. And um, it was really kind of really annoying to me when Studio Press sold out to WP Engine, not saying anything bad about them. It's like, it seemed like they're a bigger entity and I wanted something that seemed a little more boutique where you could get a hold of somebody. And uh, uh, one of the people over at Libsyn said, hey, why don't you think about Pear? And uh, I did, and I'm glad I did. It's been a great, great experience thus far. It's been probably, I don't know, four or five months. Yeah, I moved years ago from HostGator, because HostGator was just having all sorts of issues, to WP Engine. And the thing I was surprised with is what they count as a visitor and what I count as a visitor are different. And it was supposed to be, I think, $30 a month. I forget whatever the, the plan. And it was it was always 50 to $80 a month. And I was like, hmm. And so I finally moved to SiteGround. And at first, you have to, you have to look because it's like $13 a month for this specced out WP site. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then I, then you see later that they're really, it's like $20 a month after the first year. And so that's where you, I see where it's like, Hey, you're going to renew for, you know, whatever, $300 for the month coming up in March. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So, um, but they, they have the thing a little bit like HostGator. You can have multiple websites to a certain extent. If you don't, it's, it's all depending on how popular your websites are, but that's one where I was really recommending SiteGround because I was like, hey, it's, you know, 12 bucks a month. You can't beat this. And there's, I, I actually could see the speed difference between WP Engine and SiteGround. And then uh, when I saw the bill come through the second time, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, hmm, am I going to move? And I'm like, eh, not yet at least, but uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check out Pear. I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, I, I, one thing I like about Pear is now I will say, I think my site is slightly slower. Mm-hmm. That's my critique. I mean, I'm just being uh, totally transparent, sure. but I love the support and the fact that I've never done this, but you could actually pick up a phone and speak to a human. Uh, that's kind of cool. And uh, I just, um, 
I, I like their support and, and thus far I've been extremely, extremely happy with it. Well, there you go. More toys to uh, play with and there's always going to be more. That's the fun oh. thing. We're t- yeah. Um, well, Jim, what is coming up on uh, in, in the world of Jim Harold? What is coming up this well, week? Uh, let's see. Now we're going to actually have here on the paranormal podcast in the next few weeks. There is, uh, I think she used to be uh, Hugh Hefner's girlfriend, and now she's starting a paranormal TV show, so that should be interesting. We're going to have her as a guest. We're going to talk about some cryptid creatures and spooky stuff like that uh, with one of my favorite uh, guests, David Weatherly, and uh, talk about some sea creatures and different cryptids. That's, That's always fun. On the campfire, every week we talk about real people's ghost stories or supernatural stories. Actually, my favorite callers on that show, Dave, are people who, you know, they don't have tea with aliens every third Thursday. Month. <laughs> people who, you know, go about their life and then something tremendously strange happens to them. It could be maybe a message from a past loved one. Maybe it's something strange they saw in the sky. Maybe it's a strange creature they saw while they were hiking. I love those stories. That's called Jim Harold's Campfire. Uh, crime scene. We've had uh, quite a few, but we have a Pulitzer Prize winner coming up on that one. So nice. that should be a lot of fun. And then Soulmate Stories, the, my new show I do with my soulmate, my wife, Dar Harold, every week. And that's just real people calling in about how they found their soulmate. And that's a lot of fun. You can find that all at jimherald.com and wherever fine podcasts. There you go. And uh, we're here every Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. Thank you to the chat room. Stick around a little longer. We're going to do some post show. And on the school of podcasting.com this week, I'm going to be playing with many toys. Uh, so many that I don't know because I haven't played with them yet. That's what I'm doing this afternoon. So stick around for some post show. <laughs> <laughs>